Well, hello everyone. Cheers, cheers for joining us. Um, and welcome to the next Burnshee and Startup Diary series. Um, obviously, following the success of the first one, we ran with Michael over at Toot Toot. We, today, we are going to be interviewing Tom, who's the founder, co-founder over at Orca Technology. Um, we'll be talking through his journey uh, and also Orca uh, technology story. Uh, and then we're really going to hone in on the culture aspect of the team that he's built within, within that business. Um, so firstly, Tom, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, no, hi everyone, and thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. No worries at all. Um, should we just dive in? Um, so, do you want to tell us? So, start off, sort of introduce yourself officially. Uh, tell us a little bit about Orca Technology and <clears throat> what what inspired you to start the company. Sure. Um, hi everyone. I'm Tom, uh, co-founder and CEO of Orca. Um, we founded the business in 2016. James, Nick, and I, the three co-founders. Um, all three of us work together really as, as many startups kind of when the, where the origins start begin from is, is usually three people or two people in a room talking about opportunities and, and what they're seeing out there um, and we came up with this idea of what was originally called Broadstone um, and, and you know the, the, the business as it is today is completely different as like I say as many startups are you start off with an idea uh, and that progresses you iterate on that, that concept you kind of have conversations with clients and um, it, it kind of builds and builds on that. Um, like I say, it, it, it's not a, and I think that's where we've got from it in terms of a story. Um, it's a really organic story um, where we, we saw a, a huge potential uh, with our clients that we work with, um, which was around people and how uh, our clients were struggling with hiring people and the amount of um uh, agencies that they was utilizing and how much that drove them insane and we you know we we recognize we, we understood the very manual processes that was happening there um and we thought there was an opportunity to build something which was very uh you know tech focused creating a marketplace effectively for one side of one side's got companies the other side's got workers um and we we, we started to build we built out an mvp uh to, to kind of uh, share with clients that we we, we knew of, and um, we we you know got a lot of validation in that, uh, and then we went out to raise some capital with our our, our investors at this point, which is Maven uh, and some angels. Um, you know they've con continued to back us all the way through that. Uh, was when we was pre-revenue, um, and we you know we've we've got some great traction in terms of uh, onboarding some fantastic corporate logos, huge huge workforces. And we really see ourselves as a challenger to that whole, um, uh, you know, people and how people find work. And we really honed in on our journey from, you know, that kind of as, as, as evolved from just a, a temporary staffing platform that kind of looks at matching workers with, with, with jobs into kind of evolving into, you know, there's a whole uh, kind of what we call worker tech kind of ecosystem there, which is from workers finding work to then, you know, getting cleared and background checks is becoming more and more important to then actually getting paid. And that, that really is a very, very, um, you know, integrated uh, flow from, from a worker's perspective anyway. And, and some people may question, you know, is these three different products there are you trying to take on the world? And I think we've got 45,000 uh, workers in our community that believe that that's, a, you know, for them, it, it couldn't be any easier. It's very fragmented. Um, and, and we've built from that, uh, you know, over the last four years or so. So obviously, you, you, one of the things you mentioned there is, is work a second. It's a, a phrase that you've you've coined. Do you want to just give us sort of a bit more background into that and, and what you're trying to create through through Orca? 
Yeah, sure. Um, like I say, the, the ecosystem, it's, you know, most you know, challenges or uh, concepts when people are trying to, you know, are looking to create an opportunity or identify an opportunity, see a, a trend that someone's not seen before. And I suppose that's the, the similar way which Uber have recognized they want to, you know, be that whole, uh, that, that whole transportation stack uh, and from a from a user wanting to you know hail an, an Uber cab to then you know hey you know what you know, going paying for public transportation to uh, transporting their food delivery, Airbnb have done the same in terms of how people find uh, and, and go and explore new cities. From you know and it's not only about the accommodation, it's about the trips, it's about the experiences, uh, and that's that whole stack. And that's the same way that we see for an orca, uh, from a worker's perspective, you know. Uh, people are wanting to embrace more, uh, you know, there's, there's a massive, massive demographic there that's been underserved. And, you know, 85% of the global workforce are an hourly paid worker or a shift based worker. So, you know, and, and things in, you know, things haven't really changed in their world from that perspective. So how do, you know, if they're going to find some temporary work, you usually go to the bricks and mortar uh, agencies on the high street and, and trying to, you know, fill out uh, an interview and start looking at kind of, uh, job postings on, on on in a window, and and that really doesn't really fit with how people want to approach uh, work their lives, and you know work is a huge aspect of everyone's life, and then then that falls into the next phase when when we started building that Broadstone, which is is uh which is the first uh, kind of product that we came to market with, we went out to we recognised there's a huge amount of emphasis needed in in terms of background checking people and. Um, you know, how do people, you know, some of our clients were kind of taking 14 weeks to clear uh, individuals uh, into being able to be able to get them ready to work. And that really didn't really work for our platform. And we went out to, to, to market to find a partner there. There wasn't anything out to market. And so we started building it in-house and, and we've, we've been developing that for a number of, uh, you know, years now where we can kind of start embracing that, passing that, that worker into almost a jobs passport. So that instead of a company owning that background, uh, checking data, all that 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 work cred- workers' credentials. The actual individual starts owning their own credentials and simply share that. Uh, so speeding up the ability to get into work. And then the final piece of that puzzle is is, is pay, which is ultimately the reason why they're going to everyone goes to work. Um, and and if you're offering flexible work and flexibility and speed, then you need to think about pay and how it's pretty rigid and how um, you know company you know workers are effectively financing companies bottom lines in, in terms of taking 30 days to get paid and pay you know lots of people uh, need that bit more of a, a flexibility around their pay for various reasons whether that be you know uh, fuel or, or you know cost that they think for see so i think that's another part of the journey that we've been building on and and so far has got a lot of traction um so that's that's the whole concept around work attack appreciate with obviously yourself, one of the things we used to be actually neighbours in the same the same building until obviously the pandemic hit. But one of the, one of the things um, that I found out just before it all happened is we just received some some investment. This is all kind of starting to snowball and take shape. I guess being an startup armed with that investment, do you feel that you were better placed for the last few months, um, and you were able to be I guess be a bit more ambitious with your decisions? Um, I suppose. It was a great time. So looking back, it was it's very opportune. You know, it's a great time that we got that that, that raised that capital because it is it's is hard out there uh, getting fundraising in place, and, and especially because that's the first you know seed round. So we did. It was very opportunistic. Um, I don't think it changes in terms of you know everyone kind of battens down the hatches and you you cost assess and, and figure out what's most important. You don't know how long this is 
you have a plan when you do it when you raise capital and, and you think okay this is going to be what's the next what do we need to achieve before we hit the next milestone um and, and build it and build on that you know you have to start thinking is that is the is there is there things in there that aren't as priority and start stack ranking those things um and and you know what's the the minimal cost that you can have with with achieving the, the optimal uh, getting the optimal output um, and we did that. We, we looked at everything and we, we really, you know, you talked about office there. We, we negotiated with Allied London, which has been fantastic. Uh, and, and very much, you know, the team there have very much embracing, I'm sure they did the same with you guys, is embracing, uh, you know, these, these unsuffering circumstances have to be kind of supported. Uh, and it's, it's, it's in their interest to do those things. So we looked at a lot of things and, and what we did was we kind of really did batten down the hatches. And you know you, you didn't know this which way it was going to go. Fortunate for us, um, you know it, it went the other way, and, and we've seen more digital adoption happening and faster, um, which which is a great indicator of, of we're building something that is adding value, and we see that only building and building with our clients, and you know they're talking about long-term partnerships, global partnerships now, um, in in terms of you know supporting them. They recognise there's a massive uh, shift in happening in terms of how workers. Um, you know, looking to find work. How do they need to react to to attract those type those labour markets into these industries? Um, so, from that perspective, we, we've been really, really strict with ourselves um, and and worked our way through it. We 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 put in processes um, to make sure we've got the finger on the pulse. Obviously, it's challenging when everyone's working remotely. Fortunately, we had some of these processes already in place to allow people to work remotely. Um, but you still got to figure out things around culture and how to kind of keep a team uh, upbeat and optimistic and enthusiastic. We had to make some really hard calls on, on people's pay. You know, we asked the team, asked the team at that point when, when it hit, you know, can we, can we look to, you know, um, you know, reduce, we will have to you know, reduce the salaries to keep everybody on board. And, and that, that, you know, the team bought into that because they believe in the mission and they believe that we, we do make the right cut, the right choices and protecting the, 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 the business to get out on the, on the other side of the storm. So, um, it's you know it's, this is where culture really is is so critical and kind of top, on this topic is you know if you can you know show your team that they, you generally care and there's, there's less question you know you're constantly communicating with them it helps when scenarios like this come out to play because you know you have got the best intentions and you do the right things. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But just just before I guess we dive in fully into the culture aspect, um, so you've launched a new product in the middle. The middle of all, all this chaos. How's how's that been? How's that worked out for you? Yeah, I mean, like I suppose it kind of comes back to your point there. And, and how do you react? And do you you tone you know turn down the, the product development? Do you shift things around the roadmap? And I suppose we we saw that was well. Okay, we need to move faster. And I suppose we let's be more agile. Let's get things out. Let's let's test the waters instead of holding back. And we 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 was very uh, that, before the, the pandemic, we was purely in, in security inside in terms of the FM market that we serve. Um, we opened up to the cleaning sector while we were down because we just, you know, we needed to get that out and, you know, clients were asking us, you know, they need more people. And I suppose the next the, the next thing that was on the roadmap was, which was our, which we, we built a, a feature probably two years, well, just over two years ago called Instant Pain. Um, that that was built for the, the Broadstone uh, product, which our ecosystem and for the team, the, the workers there to basically access their earnings faster. Um, you know, again, tying into that whole, if you're offering flexible work, you need to start thinking about flexible pay. Um, we was wanting to increase loyalty to our work. You know, temporary staffing is plagued with 
you know, uh, churn of staff. And that's a big part of them. How do you increase that loyalty? How do you get people on site? How do you increase their performance and making sure they're doing good jobs? So we, we, we created um, a, product, a feature there called Instant Pay. And we just really tested the water on it. And, and it was down to, we were servicing the BBC Teen Awards. And it was only two shifts um, over a weekend. And people in London and, and people traveling into the into the city, it worked for four hours. It's, it starts coming less, less, um, kind of valuable to them or less, less important. They're not going to sh- potentially show up because you know, they don't get paid for 30 days and for two hours, that's uh, four hours and, and two, two shifts. So we introduced instant pay to test that out to, to see if that would increase performance. And it did an amazing job of doing just that. Um, and so we started building that our, in our, in our product for permanently. Um, and it seems massive, massive uptake. You know, we see 40% of our earnings drawn down through that product. Uh, two and a half t- on average, two and a half times with transactions a week. Um, you know, people using it almost like a contingent bank account, which for hourly paid workers, you know, it's really, they need that, it's that ability to draw down when they need it. Um, whatever quantum, simply, there is no interest. It's, it's a, it's a transaction fee. So it's a straight flow. There's no compounded interest like a payday loans, which is hugely important because, you know, that's where they were being very predatory on, on these, on, on people that, you know, needed the earnings. This is purely, you know, you're only going to be able to access the earnings that, You've already, you know, it's been approved by your employer, so you'll never go on, go into into debt. Um, and you know, we we recognize when we started speaking to our clients about these, you know, broadstone and, and the benefits, what we're seeing, and how the ability that what we've done, or you know, we've demonstrated massively how we've managed to attract forty five thousand people, and, and our clients having this having a problem there and actually getting people. So they're asking that the question is, you know, how did you do that? And, some of the things like instant pay and gamification and, 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 and that ability to have flexible flexibility in their lives is really, really important. Um, so with those conversations, you know, we said, okay, let's, there's a, there's a, there's a product, there's a feature there that clients are saying we really, really would like that within our business and offer it to our workforces. So my clients have got 40,000, uh, staff, uh, and across their business and, uh, this tool will allow them all could pay. It will allow them to attract staff, to retain staff better and also optimize their workforces. So, you know, they, they, there's a big thing there where, you know, employers want to see, you know, if there is extra few shifts, if that encourages them, does the employer pay for that, um, that, 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 that transaction so they can access their earnings quicker. And it's, it's a bet, it's a win-win for both sides really from, from employees. So we really push forward on that front and uh, it's seen huge amounts of traction. And there's a couple of play, great players out in the market um they're that doing fantastic things in, in that same uh, mission of, of, of helping of workers and, and, and employees attracting staff um, and we see this just another you know many many employees having this uh, most employees actually are having this type of uh, solution in their businesses you know in three to five years Great. i mean just to, again go back to go back to that piece from, from before about the culture and, and you'll see one of the more remarkable things that we were when we were discussing and setting this up as you told me you had a zero attrition rate over the past three years which is, is quite frankly it's crazy it's ridiculous in a technology business where developers in particular to hold on focusing on them developers get bombarded with opportunities tens of times a day and there's temptation here there and everywhere um i guess that's, yeah, a long tenure in technology nowadays is probably like two years. Uh, how have you managed to, to, I guess, ultimately have a zero attrition? What's the secret to that over the past, past few years? I think, firstly, it's, it's the mission. So making sure when you're employing people, you understand they buy into that mission. You know, we've had some really, really robust, um, you know, 
interview processes? Do, do people believe in what we're trying to achieve? Then I think it's always, you know, we set out, set out from day one of, of making sure culture was really, really part of it. You know, it, it's not something that you try to do, um, build culture around, um, build culture into your business, uh, kind of to, you know, when you're at 20, 30 people. I think it's trying to build culture um, in your business um, from, from day one. So everyone embraces that and you start iterating that culture. Um, I think we've always made sure we take care of people um, and make sure they're kept in the loop. Um, you know, again, I think it's 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 all about kind of you know, looking at your, your your team and and making sure that they you know we we've built on that as well. We've not from 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 um, sorry, I'm just charging up my laptop. It's about to die as usual. Um, so yeah, we've 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 what we did you know early on in our journey wasn't necessarily what we do today. And there's some things that um, you know you you just don't need to do it. That, you know when you've got three or four people in a room and you're just trying to figure out an idea, but as you look to scale your teams and you know you start need to start implementing you know processes and people management tools we've, we've just introduced a tool ourselves which really does help us to, to scale up our you know we, we do weekly one-on-ones each team leader does the one-on-ones with that you know catching up just making sure that they're fine and you know what is it what is there anything that can help you know we're building our performance your company-wide performance review that's not only kind of team leader down or at, you know there is a peer-to-peer up and down uh, on that so everyone understands that everyone's doing the best job we send insight surveys quarterly and, and pulse surveys with this obviously the climate and it's very volatile right now we've you know we're around we, we, we've sent out a recent de- uh, diversity inclusion survey so all these things we as we're gearing up to to kind of scale to the next phase to make sure we hire the right people we're doing we continuously build a diverse company that then you know gets the right people on board and um, so it's not it's not a silver bullet. There's lots of lots of things you need to consider. Um, you know, we, you have the typical social events, which um, you know uh, you know everyone looks forward to, and we, we invest a lot of time into that. It's been difficult right now. If, if that's one area, probably from from lockdown has been difficult to kind of um, kind of build in because we have on a Friday usually we'll have a, a, a product showcase or a showcase event where everyone just grabs a beer and we showcase. Uh, the work that everyone's that's been the great work that's been happening across the company and you know and then everyone kind of has a few drinks and just usually talks about work but um, that's not been that's not really been able to happen um, obviously lockdown we, you try to do these things I suppose that's one area I think we should we, we need to focus on if I was being honest uh, and think about ideas but you know there's other areas it's, it's not just about that side it's about performance incentivization it's about making sure the team uh, are all pulling in the right um, you know the right direction we have three different products and we're going into a, a squad uh, kind of a Spotify model effectively uh, where you've got squads and guilds um, making sure all those three products are all aligned and everyone understands on the teams that are set on those team, those product teams uh, understand why they're doing the things that they are every day is really really important stand-ups I couldn't encourage to do more of those stand-up you know week daily stand-ups uh, all hands meetings uh, you know the company and team leads just to kind of present back to the team just make it you you think as a leader that um, you know everybody understands what's going on and you couldn't be further from the truth everyone is you know in their their world right on a day-to-day and you need to make sure that you extract that and share that 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 intel across the business um, you know just because you're sat in a position where you can see all and doesn't mean that everyone appreciates what's what's happening and why they're doing these things um, so I, I couldn't encourage that more uh, we've done a lot of workshops as, as a team. We, not driven from not only myself, but some some of our team leaders uh, and team members are, 
you know, massive advocates of having a, a certain way that the, the, the way that we, you know, we've got a passionate group of people, very in- intelligent people, um, and they want to see how the company can grow. And it's in, you know, they're really passionate about how we build a team, how we build products, how we uh, engage with our community, um, and making sure that the values and, and our culture is, in, is, is set up to, to, to continue to, to deliver that um, ongoing. So um, I wouldn't say it is necessarily um, uh, kind of a set manual. Uh, there is, there is, you know, you've got to suss that out based on your team and your, you know, we had a, a strong belief in what we wanted as a team and, and we set out that and we discussed that a lot. Uh, that, you know, you, you, when you're a group of five people and you start talking about the mission and the values of your company, some people may look at you and think, you know, this is crazy. You know, let's just get back to, you know, building uh, a product and getting to market first. But I, I'd encourage having those discussions is really, really important and think about those things uh, when you're hiring. So the first thing I, I kind of did with the first, very first hire we made, uh, our technical, uh, technical lead, was um, I, I did a, a first day interview. So and this 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 process continues to this day, where you know you, you do your interview process. They come in, they've got all the the boot camp pack, so they've got the full the full you know what's expected of them, what their agenda is going to be for the next two weeks. So getting the meeting as many team members, but also on their first day, they will conduct a, you, the team lead or the, the direct report. will will do a, a first day interview, and it's just kind of. You know, talking about things like what what attracted you to this, this this role, and what the things that you'd like to achieve in the next six to twelve months in this role. What would you like to achieve beyond that? And all those things, and what it really does, I find it very very powerful in understanding each individual very very quickly. You could almost put them in personas and boxes and think, okay, well, that person as you're a startup, some people are coming into this to to learn for themselves, and they have aspirations of very entrepreneurial because it's joining a startup, and they have aspirations of owning their own startup at one day so they went to absorb as much information and get exposed to things some people have a strong uh, you know want to understand and grow through this business and and take on more responsibility some people just wanted to do a great job and be really really you know uh, really great and building doing a fantastic job um on on, on building products or uh, building processes in the company and and you know, so you can you can really sculpt a, a, a kind of way to work with that person, and and I think that's a really really useful tool, uh, early stages, uh, and like I say it's it's continued to deliver value for us because uh, you can get the right level of um, uh, engagement with them. You obviously mentioned about starting it, I guess from the beginning in the culture. Did, did these sort of early team members did they help shape that or is it very much what you and the founders originally sort of thought this is this is how we're going to have it or is it big those first few no I, I think you you like i say it's iterative everything is iterative and i think that's the key learning point and you know the first our, our culture when it was three four people was was completely different to what it is today and every new team member comes in adds to that culture and changes it and we think about new things and you know the size starts thinking changing how you've got to think about culture you can't do you know, you, you know we've got to think you know one of our, our head of engineering has got 10 or 11 direct reports to do one-on-ones with so you start thinking about how do you break that out and how does your communication you know we're doing as your team grows you, you used to have a, a company-wide all hands where you know we, we, we sit still stand there in a circle and that's becoming a little bit uh broken so i, I think it isn't one thing that's, that you start with an idea and you build on that and then it, it changes, but you've got to embrace that, that kind of iteration, really. Um, I don't think it's, like I say, each individual adds that culture. And as long as you're hiring and people that's going to complement that culture um, and, and, you know, and, and buy into what you're trying to do, 
um, that's only it's only a benefit and it, it does create a more positive culture and um, like I say some of these tools can help give some structure but ultimately it's the people that will, will shape it. And just obviously you alluded to earlier as well some of the difficulties of having your, your kind of your, your team beer with talking through the products and having that sort of more um, mm. time together. Um, what's been the, the sort of the challenge of maintaining a strong culture during the you know remote distribution force that we're, we're we're living through at the moment. I think other than because they normally have office beers, so the beers are on free on tap in the office. So that's been a challenge to get the logistics, and we've, we've struggled with that one to be honest. Um, but um, I think you can never you know as much as everyone's considering how um, the world would look after this 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 pandemic and how you know I, I think 100% the world will you know how people work and how work people in offices and office culture will dramatically shift um you'll never replace that face-to-face interaction i think that's the biggest thing from a culture perspective that you know we we recently we've just opened up the office for people to voluntarily come into the office on a rotor system just to get out of your apartment like you're doing today chris and you know just to get a new set of environment because it's getting a bit stir crazy um but you know and we we all after the day's work and Everyone came in. We had a beer in in the office after it, and there was only six of us in. Uh, and every single person said, you know, they didn't realise how much they missed being in the office, seeing people face to face, just having those, you know, off the cuff conversations. And you know, I, I think that's. I think you can if you there's a. I think there's an opportunity to be more. I think we was got ourselves as a as we scaled. We didn't think about these things like having meetings. And I think we was doing a lot of meetings where there was too many. Uh, you know, everybody, too many cooks in, in a meeting and, you, you know, wasn't optimal and, uh, you know, inefficient. And then I think what we, what this has done is allow, I think there's an opportunity here to be, you know, very, very efficient uh, and have meetings directly and, and allow you those days to just get your head down and do some, you know, what you need to do. But then also maybe coming into the office three, three days a week where you can have these conversations, have these meetings, you know, do um, run sprint sessions and design sprints, you know, think about the products. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's something I think is really, really important. Um, I, I think we've, we've, we've still not got that. I don't think anybody else. I think, you know, I keep looking out for the likes of, you know, your, your leaders, your tech leaders of Facebook and how they're considering uh, the work environment, how they do, do they cultivate culture. Um, and, uh, you know, I, no one, I think everyone's a fool, if uh, the person's a fool if they think they've got it nailed because I think it's the only starts of it. Uh, I think you need to be open to, to adoption, adaption really, and, and adapt to what, what's in front of us. Do you think you've become more efficient then as a team during this this time? Do you think you found sort of efficiencies really through yeah. this change? Yeah, definitely. I think I think we 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 track on our reporting, and you know our, our velocity in, in terms of engineering. You know the the outputs of communications and and, and hours and performance in, in in revenue and all those type of different metrics that we run across the business and. We've never been more uh, high performing, and I think that's been fantastic. I think um, you know we, we we run daily customer success meetings, things just to keep everyone updated because you're not having those office. So I think we've been we've been more efficient in that circumstance. And I think if that was a short term thing, that'd be fantastic. But now it's kind of thinking, oh, this is set for the long term. There is going to always, you know, we did our all hands today um, remotely. Everyone was remote, and you know you've got team leads jumping in. We've had to adapt that a little bit. Um, and that's going to be set for life now. I think that's going to be a part of our culture now is, is we're going to have this hybrid model of at least some 20% of your staff um, in, or 10% of your staff in, in, 
working from home each day. So you need to start, and it's really, really from a, from working at home perspective, it's quite easy to have everybody in together in an office and 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 do these processes and have meetings and uh, run these kind of uh, all hands and and such like that. When and then all everybody's at home, but I think when there's a there's a there's a hybrid of some people in, in the office, some people in uh, working from home. I think that's a real challenge. I think no one's really quite got there yet. And, we're using a lot of experiments right now to test out and, and, and figure out the long term of, of our culture and how we communicate because communication is absolutely critical to the culture piece um, and, and making sure everyone's aligned and understands what's happening in each team. Um, make sure they understand, like I say, understand why they're doing the things they are. Uh, they're getting supported in the right way. Um, and all those, those matters are really, really important. Right. Just one final question from me, then we'll, we'll open it up to, to the, the viewers. Uh, we've already got a couple of preemptive questions, but um, just anyone who's watching, who's keen to ask Tom a question, I don't want to just steal all his time and um, continue to ask him questions from my point of view. If there's anything that you want, please put it in the, the Q&A section, start firing them, screen out. I'll ask them to Tom. Um, if you'd start popping those in, that'd be great. But final question for me is um, something I'd like to ask really any founders, What's been the biggest surprise of being a founder and a CEO since starting the journey? Um, I think there's lots of lots of things you learn. Um, I think, and you start reflecting back, and I think it's the embracing, firstly, the struggle, and get 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 used to the fact that no matter what level you get to, there's always a struggle. There's always something that you need to put out, some some sort of fire you need to put out, and some different growing pains or you know, you need to pivot or you need something like this happens and, you know, it, it hits the core of business. You need to have, you know, crisis meetings and, you know, uh, uh, serious, serious conversations. Um, product might not be doing what you think it's going to do. So embrace that it's going to be a struggle and actually makes it easier when you think, okay, this is going to be, you know, it's not going to be an easy ride. Even when you, you see people in, you know, TechCrunch or, uh, you know, publications and they seem like they're hitting, you know, setting the world alight there's probably deep down there's, there's some serious stuff that happen in their business and they're trying to figure out. Um, so embrace that. That goes from day one to the finish line. Um, I think the second one is kind of touching it slightly same similar thing. It's embrace iteration. You know, it, you, what everyone says it, but I think really driving it home is, you know, when you're at, we talked about culture there and you know, what worked for us at three, four, five people definitely didn't work for us when we we're at 15, 20 people. And now what are 20, 30 people, it won't work for us in six months when we're at 40, 50. So, um, you know, embrace that. That goes across products. That goes across your finances. Embrace that you're going to do these things in cycles. Um, it's not, you know, your product needs to, you know, I'd encourage you to hire in-house in, in uh, software engineering teams as quickly as possible because that'll help you adapt your roadmap, uh, have a clear guide of, of what you want to do, break that down into bite-sized chunks. Don't think, you know, there's, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Ross Boardman, he 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 uh, came up, showed me this uh, infographic of starting off with a product which is a scooter, uh, then goes into a tricycle, then a bicycle, then a motorbike, then a car. And I think that that is a, is kind of goes across not just product teams, but your your entire business starts off with something very simple, test it out, you know, get from that point to the next point, um, and then go down that invest double down. Um, so embrace iteration. Um, be you know as you know have many many meetings with people talk to your peers in terms of not only your peers and your teams and your, your colleagues i think talk to if you're starting out you know get out reach out to fellow uh ceos and it's not only ceos that have been there done that but ceos that are going through the same channel because 
um, what what you're challenging when you're trying to get out the door that you know if you're a co-founder it's a total different challenge to someone that's got 40 50 100 people and then kind of going to a corporate level so i think having that diverse kind of network is really really important i think uh get out to some of these you know tech nations a fantastic resource utilize those guys um you know there's some fantastic programs to get you off the ground pwc we, we joined the pwc pro scale program early on that definitely opened our eyes up to what we could potentially be and, and um you know, again, think about iteration. So that that's what I would really focus on is really embracing the struggle and, and embracing that you're going to be iterating across your business uh, throughout the life time that you're in that company. Yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan of, of Tech Nation. We're actually trying to get Mo Adalu to uh, to speak on one of these to give a bit more of sort of the background of the ecosystem of the Northwest tech scene at the moment. I think they're, they're, they're a massive part of the, the tech scene up here. Um, I guess one Questions that have come up, just dive, in, dive into it. Uh, you may just answer a large part of it, to be honest with you, Tom, but uh, the first mm-hmm. question that really came through was how will you maintain the engaged culture of your people as the business continues to grow? Um, I think, again, so something that we've, we've, we've done that and, and we've implemented only pretty recently um, is a tool called Lattice, and, and that really does, so we, we've committed now, so we'll, we'll send out quarterly pull surveys. Are they engaged? Do they feel valued? Multiple questions. Um, we we so that that's something that can give us some, we benchmark across the industry and, and companies. And we we benchmarked uh, all but one category uh, above above benchmarking standards. So um, I think something like that would be really really important. Having your one on ones with your team, you know, your team leads holding one on ones with your, your col- with the, with their colleagues. Um, that really does you can react to that rather than you know someone's really really pissed off and then. Um, you know, they, they, they uh, decide they've already in the heads they go in. Uh, I think you can start having those conversations, understanding where they want to be in their own journey, because this is a journey that, that it will end with you. You know, that employee, you've got to, yeah, this is the first thing I can say is your journey, when a new startup joins with us, you're, you will eventually leave our company, regard, if, if, whether it's through us doing an exit event or uh, getting acquired or uh, they, they find their own path, that, will, that journey will come to end. So um, I suppose... Uh, making sure that they are prepared and they, you understand what, what, what they want to do out of that is really important to, to be having an engaged team because you know what, what, what point they're going to jump off um, and you can build that, 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 that kind of structure for them. So that's very, quite a unique way of looking at it, but a really truthful way of looking at it. It's being quite honest with yourself that the person will, will eventually make a move and won't be there for a lifetime. Quite, it's quite no, no. I think it's just making sure that they have, uh, if what they want to achieve it with that throughout time within your company, they get as much of it out of it and, and prepared for that, that whatever that point is, whether it's been, you know, going working for another company and, and taking a new role or setting up their own startup uh, or growing within the company and staying on and, and that, you know, are, are kind of working, you know, the, the management team or the co-founders or things like that. It's, it's, it's been open to that um, and, and kind of embracing that. That's, that's just fact. So, so, so one of the other questions that's come up, uh, what's the best lesson you've learned since founding the business? Uh, what's the best lesson? Um, I, think, I think one of the lessons we learned recently, to be fair, um, and if you, it goes, I suppose it goes back to the topic, which is culture, and um, a great lesson I only recently learned was, you know, if you've got an engaged team and passionate and they think about it and there's, um, you know, sometimes a, a co-founder can think okay this is the way i want to do it and, and this is the best way to do it um 
you know, we did the rebrand and we went throughout this, we went through, and Roy is probably on the other side of this laughing our marketing manager, but um, we, we went through a process and we thought this is, the, you know, to get to where we want to do it. Again, we were in lockdown when we went through a rebrand, so we wanted to get there fast. We knew we need to do this to open up the other products. And, and we went down this 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 this, this uh, avenue where um, we, we could get something out really quickly, and and it was only a couple of people involved in that process. And um, I think when we shared it with the team, it didn't go down well because it wasn't didn't really encompass what we were. And, and as, so what we did then we threw it back to the, the team and got their inputs, and you know, and they actually gave some fantastic uh, feedback that actually made us, made us uh, allowed us to and with a better, better result by far. Uh, and, and I suppose that the lesson for me is like kind of sharing with your team and being as, again, being communicating and don't feel that you, you're burdening people with something. If, if, it, you know, if it's really, really important, you've got that culture there that, you know, team members want to get involved and the passionate embrace that. Don't feel like there's, there's something that you've got to share and hide. So that's something recently that, you know, we've already got a democratic uh, uh, team and uh, you've got to share you if you've got that, that you've set up that way you know sometimes you need to continue to do that because that's uh something that you've been building on great um another question that's come through um often culture can seem intangible and it can be uh, seem like every organization's looking for similar types of people hard-working self-starting team player resourceful not a bully can you give an example of a type of person that might do very well Atom uh, do very well at another company, but wouldn't fit in at Orca? Good question. Um, it's a really good question. I think it goes back down to diversity. Again, you know, there isn't a, a it's not a, a necessarily a bad person to come into your business. I think as long as we've got some clear values that we, we kind of look at and, and, you know, grit, persistence, empathy, and all those, you know, some of those, 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 those values, and we're trying to put them into practice and how would you react to this? Um, you kind of get a good, I think someone that wouldn't really fit into our company would be someone that couldn't really embrace the fast pace. I think that's a big one. If you're, um, you know, looking to get into a startup, you know, if you come from a corporate background and, you know, you've got working in a company that's got five, 6,000 people in, in there, there's lots of resource in there. Um, lots of things that have been handled by, you know, each function has got some support there in a startup. That's not the same, you know, Co-founder CEOs and all that type of stuff in a CEO will we'll be making cups of teas and stocking the, the uh, beer fridge and um, jumping on product calls and, and you know all the things that you so, and, and goes across that. I suppose every single person that comes into a startup, you either love it or you hate it because you're going to get thrown into the into the deep end. Uh, and it's going to be fast and sometimes it's chaos. Um, but I think if, if someone that can't handle that speed and you know if you're going to sit there and you're going to look through your emails um for for, for half, first half of your day back off for a week off that's not really going to work in in a startup because you just got not you haven't got enough time you you really do need to get on with things is it you know when you fundraise and, and you get the deal done uh the clock starts again you've got to hit the next milestone in the next 18 months or two years and if you don't do then hit those milestones um then you, you know you're going to and you get to close to get possibility that's fine but if you're not then you, you need to start readjusting fast. Um, and so I think that's, a, that's I'd say that's something that you, we'd look into people is, can they, uh, are they able to, to deal with a fast pace? Are they uh, going to embrace that? You know, you know, we just need to get, get stuff done. We, we actually say every morning is our phrase is uh, get shit done, which is a bit cheesy, but and clap. So those type of things um, are really embraced. And, and, and that just drives into our culture that, you know, everything, just get something done today, just deliver. 
Awesome, awesome. You say get shit done and clap. Is that the full phrase? Yeah, clap synchronizing. It's been sometimes when you've got time lag on, on Zoom, it really does kind of go long and and you, you assess your, your stand-ups by the, the, the synchronization of your claps. Excellent. Um, final question we've got at the moment. If anyone's got any others, please fire them over um, as we start to wrap this up. But that's something you alluded to. How, how do you tackle diversity in the workplace, especially growing at the rate you've been growing? Um, again, I think it's, we're not when we're not we're not perfect in this this, this space. We, we recently sent, like I say, sent out a DNI survey um, to you know ask the team. Uh, we fairly you know you know ask them what they think of us so far. Uh, but when we sent out that survey, I said you know this is this is a journey. This is something that we need to be better at. Uh, actually, you know, we, like I say, one of the things that we really do need to focus on is is ensuring and, and making sure that we're we're striving to be a very diverse team. And that starts at recruitment. So, you know, making sure the people that come in to interview are from various backgrounds and, and, and the best people get hired from them back. It's not going to be your background that stops you from joining Orca. It's going to be the, the fact that you can do a fantastic job and you're going to deliver value and you're going to bring something to the table. Um, I think that starts there. And I think then you constantly, if you hire those, that diverse team, then you're going to have diverse, uh, you know, approaches to your, your promotion processes because people are going to hire. You've got that diverse culture. You're going to solve problems from it. You know, you're not going to have one view on and solving a problem. You're going to have a diverse. So it's a benefit for the company. Um, and we, this is something that, you know, we've recently focused. Obviously, there's been a lot, a lot of leaders across across many industries that are, are coming out and, and, and making sure that. This is one of the areas that they need to focus on and we're no different. Um, we want to be better. We've got a fairly diverse team considering only 23 people, um, but we want, we want to be better. We, you know, we've got you know, uh, a female on, the, female on the board of, of six. Uh, we've got you know, team in the management team, we've got females. I've got um, you know, various races, backgrounds in, in our team, different age, ages. And I think that's really helped us to get to where we are, to be honest, um, but we want to be better. Great. Um, final question, um, I guess it comes off one of the previous answers. You, you're talking about getting stuff done. How, how do you make sure uh, you don't just get stuff done, but you also get the right stuff done? I think this comes into um, prioritization. So it's various things. You know, we, again, we, we went through the growing pains. We've, we was things where we saw blockages on our product roadmap. Um, we've, we've put small, a process called small changing. So anything below three days it takes to develop. A bug or some sorts of like that that will go into small change and there's set engineers on that so it's not blocking the whole engineering team uh we also assess we we, we and that starts off with a small change uh, meeting every monday um then we also kind of look at we have regular product roadmap meetings with the management team and the team we share that with all hands um we we stack rank prioritization no different to um, based on data so you know what's the that's the thing that's going to deliver the most value quick and quick and easy then build out some things you need to just get done with to, to, to be able to deliver. So, you know, you need to get that in. Um, and that's how we build our roadmaps. And, you know, we have a roadmap not only for product teams, but we have a community ops roadmap. We have a marketing roadmap. Um, and that just gives structure and, and it, it evolves. It's, it keeping it, it's keeping it agile is important as well. So just because you've got something planned in for the next three sprints or four sprints doesn't necessarily that's going to stay that way. You've got to constantly assess that. And again, it's about that iteration process of, of, of keeping your finger on the pulse understanding you know having we send surveys out to our community we send surveys out to our, our, our clients we have surveys you know we're trying to extract as much intel and feedback to help us shape which way we go and do things I and mean, that's really really important 
One of the questions actually just popped up. Um, how big can also be, what's the ambition in terms of headcount or turnover or even geographical coverage? I think we, we believe that, as many startups do, uh, that we can be a, a phenomenally sized business, a huge, huge organisation. Like I said, 85% of the workforce, a uh, global workforce, are an hourly paid worker and they're not really being served the right in the same way that other areas of their lives are being served. So we think we could be absolutely you know, phenomenal uh, in terms of size and we think we've got, we've got clients which are global businesses. We think what we're doing is, is applicable to, to many, many sectors. Um, and, and, and many people will see the benefits of it. Um, you know, we've got clear aspirations to be a multi-billion pound if we possibly can and, 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 and do all those things. Um, it's all about execution. I've always said to when I speak to investors and, and, and new team members that, you know, someone will make a, a multi-billion pound business out of what we're doing. And especially we're taking a different slant on it and looking at that whole alley worker journey rather than, you know, different products. We look at what then things do to, to own, hone in on, on that journey. Uh, and we say someone's going to be, you know, someone will do this really, really well and, and be a billion pound business. And what we're right at this early stage right now, and it's all about execution and, and take, breaking that down in bite-sized chunks, achieving that uh, and delivering great products, um, delivering great service. And, and, and I think the, the world is adopting to our benefit. Um, we see our headcounts swelling. You know, we, we want to set up in, in North America. Um, very soon with our partners, we want to, we've, we've gone outside integration partnerships with great workforce management systems that help us do those things. Um, and I think it, you know we, we see great opportunity. It's, it's down to you know can we execute? Can you build a team around that to continue to execute? Um, have you you know you're hitting that you know you're hitting the right things from the client's perspective and the worker's perspective. Um, so you know we're excited about what's in the in the next twelve months. But we, we believe if we do continue to do the right things that we could be a phenomenal organization and, and one of the, in particularly in Manchester, one of the, the, the darlings of the, in the tech scene. And, and that's what, something that we want to do. And this part of this is, is trying to give back. And, and I think every founder, when they go out to set out uh, a business or start a business, it's about impact. Um, can you create impact on people's lives? Can you create impact on your own? And, um, and I think um, we've got that opportunity to be a huge impact. Um, and in, in the scene and, and, and delivering back value to people that are looking to do the same, get on the same journey, really. Fingers crossed. I mean, I'll be watching. Keep seeing you guys pop up in Prolific North with the next, you know, bit of celebration of uh, the fundraising, etc. Keep seeing your faces pop yep. up. For you. Um, look, I think perfect time to, to wrap up there. So 40, 45 minutes there. I really do appreciate that, Tom. Thanks for, thanks for joining us and giving you a real bit of depth background to, to Orca and the culture that you adapted there. So thanks a lot. No problem at all. Thanks for having us. For, for everyone listening, like I say, we're going to record this. Um, it's going on YouTube. Uh, we'll put it on as podcast. Um, and yeah, always keen to hear from you any way in which we can improve, uh, adapt uh, the way in which we run these. Um, feel free to honestly email me anything straight to Chris M at Bern Sheehan or find me on LinkedIn, connect with me and um, let me know what you think. And if you're keen to be involved in one of these going forward as well, we are lining up um, future hosts. We've got one happening in two weeks time um, that will be announced shortly uh, with the title, et cetera. And we want to make this a more regular part of Bern Sheehan sort of uh, community uh, support and, and, and getting names out there. So, Please get in touch, give us your feedback, but absolute pleasure uh, to, to do this again. Thanks a lot, Tom. And uh, everyone, I'll, I'll let you all go. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, hopefully catch you all soon.